Hello and welcome to the 385th episode of the Crate and Crowbar, a podcast about gaming, not just PC gaming. On the day of recording this, it's the 11th of November 2021, and tonight I'm Alex Wiltshire, and tonight I'm also joined by Chris Thurston. Hi, hi, Alex Wiltshire. I'm glad that you. This is the second here. take of this because um, because of reasons. The first time. I um I called you Christopher Thurston. You seem pleased about that. And then I wanted to say it again, but then I heard myself saying just Chris Thurston. And I'm sorry about that. Second takes are always worse than the first takes. It's remarkable, <laughs> isn't it, how this always goes. But no, I was just delighted that you you, you called me by my full name for some reason. Um, but uh, I can return to that subject a little bit later, I suppose. Uh, how are you, Alex, more importantly? I'm good. I'm good. I've um I was I was enlightened I was I was enlivened by um by by game news over the last few days I must admit. Were you? That's convenient. I know it's good, isn't it? <laughs> um, I've got a soft spot for um um a Swedish company called um, Image and Form, who are the makers of the uh, the SteamWorld uh, series of kind of different kinds of games, all involving robots in a kind of weird steampunky Western sort of future in space kind of thing and they've made platformers and they've made um uh kind of turn-based that's platformer 2d turn-based strategies um they've made a very in a long time ago tower defense games like it i find them i mean each of the games is just beautifully made for its for its time like uh steam dig 2 which mm. is a sort of game in which you you kind of digging through the earth kind of bit by bit. There's a story that you're following and you kind of, and it mixes the, the sort of Metroidvania with, with kind of resource gathering, because as you're digging down, you're getting kind of diamonds and whatnot, which you're able to sell for better digging stuff. And as you get deeper down, there are stronger rocks to get through and that kind of thing. Um, uh, this, this is not a, a, a novel concept because Motherload, I think did it first. Um, which is a which are almost exactly the same game design, um, and I think that's true for all of their games. They're all, none of them are are at all original, but they do them with su- they they produce them such verve and skill, and they just feel so good, like the sound effects and animation and that kind of thing, just so good. So um, uh, they just did a, an expo yesterday, presented by Mark Hamill, amazingly. Wow. Uh, and they showed off um, a little video for a new Steamworld game, in when, which is which is apparently going to be a third-person adventure. They showed none of the game itself. It seems to involve uh, sharp shooting and a character whose head comes off and does stuff. Mm. Who knows what's happening there? But the fact is, they're just such a, a a talented studio whose ambitions have just been rising and rising with, I guess, the success of every game. That I'm looking forward to seeing that. That sounds great. That sounds great. What do you interview Mark Hamill once? I know. I, like, I was sort of like catching up with him. It's like, huh, it's Mark Hamill. And he's really not acting very well in this skit that they've put together. <laughs> <laughs> Why is any of this happening? In fact, um, the guy who runs the studio, like the founder of Image and Form, um, uh, acted or at least kind of more convincing in his reading of the script than Mark Hamill. It's very odd. I think my impression of of Mark Hamill when I met him was that he's an extremely good sport. 
Yeah. And uh, I think I may have told the story on the podcast before, but I saw him as part of, I went to see part of the filming of Squadron 42, which is Star Citizen single player component. And I was so determined not to be a Star Wars fan, to be a very professional journalist, you know, <laughs> like to not to be like, I'm interviewing actor Mark Hamill about his very valid project, Squadron 42. And this was months before The Force Awakens came out as well. So it was like peak Star, Star Wars time. I had editors from other outlets breathing down my nest, asking me for Star Wars scoops out of this access. And I was like, no, I'm a professional and I've been given this access on certain terms. So I will I will respect those terms. And there was one other magazine out there, and I won't name them. There's a German outlet, and they literally showed up with a whole bag of plastic lightsabers <laughs> for him <laughs> for him to wave. And I, and he was so up for it; he was he was great. And he was and then as soon as I started interviewing him, we just started talking about Star Wars anyway. And I was like, "Oh, you've you've allowed me to pretend that I'm a professional and get but you started it, so Mark Hamill." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you started it, Mark. Um, anyway, so I'm sure he was up for, well up for for whatever it was that uh, the Steamworld folks wanted him to do. Exactly. Yeah, no, he's very likable, but it's like, yeah, it's very, but I suppose Luke Skywalker was never known as being a finely honed, beautifully performed that, uh, character. How um, dare you? How dare you? <laughs> we're six minutes into this podcast and we've got to get through at least another hour. So let's not, let's not. I think honestly, oh, you're going to set me off. Oh shit, it's happening. Honestly, he doesn't get enough credit for how good a performance he delivers to some Muppets and some masks in those. Songs. That is true. That is very Harrison true. Harrison Ford. Everyone loves Harrison Ford for good reason. And, and Carrie Fisher for very good reason. But they get to bounce off each other. Luke Skywalker spends two films talking exclusively to <laughs> puppets and David Prowers pretending to be someone else. Right. Like it's, uh, you know, and that's I'm not just biased. I, I genuinely believe that he also looks quite a lot like my dad. It's a really strange kind of strange environment all around anyway um i i was i was buoyed up this week um from by some some news from a little developer i'm fond of they're from canada and they're called uh bioware um it was uh n7 day this week which doesn't mean anything um this ostensible mass effect holiday i don't know what it is that we commemorate yeah, what is it yeah what, what, do you know what the date actually refers to what what is it um I guess it's like, isn't it like, it can't be as simple as it being November 7, can it? Is that it? It was just like the, the, the aesthetics of the date. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, I mean, that, that, that probably, I think that's it. Anyway, um, obviously they've said they're making a new Mass Effect. They, they said it again and they, we couldn't stop them. They just went and said it again. This time with a poster, um, that I think is pretty cool. What was the poster of? of? It's like an icy world, I guess, which is similar to the teaser trailer they put out some time ago, um, in which where, where there's the icy covering of this icy world has been blasted away to reveal a kind of orange substrata by some kind of impact. But the shape of that impact and the crater that's been left behind that takes the it makes it creates the impression of a big Geth face, the you know android alien monsters from the original games. But Chris, we're friends and, with them now, or are we? I don't know. And then parked on this, uh, in this crash zone is a new spaceship that looks, it's in the, it's in the traditional Normandy SR1 coloring or the Tempest from Andromeda, but it looks a bit different. It's quite Star Trek y. It's got a big, it's got a big round ass, uh, and a pointy face. And those are ship words that I know. Um, and then emerging from this ship are several characters, one of whom is a Krogan in red armor. Could it be Rex? Maybe. And they're approaching another figure who's coming the other way. And it looks like maybe in the center of the crash site, there's something buried, like an alien ruin. It's probably an alien ruin. This is Mass Effect. 
And then in the ice, it looks like someone's carved something, maybe a dick. I don't know. Um, What can you take from this? Almost nothing. The the text says Mass Effect will continue, which obviously we already knew. And I don't, (laughs) I mean, it's it's a really, it's a great, it's a lovely poster. It really is a lovely bit of, you know, design. It's a great teaser. I don't know what to make of it. I'm quite excited for the notion of Bioware doing another kind of full, full, uh, full fat RPG is a very pleasing one because and this is going to make me feel tremendously old i think it's been almost a decade since the last one um when was because well no it's not actually no it's not i'm thinking it's been it's been almost a decade since mass effect 3 yes exactly even you are Um, writing andromeda out of it of course (laughs) jesus yeah even me the andromeda apologist just wiped out andromeda (laughs) so it's been five years since andromeda i think um that's but then it's not in that sequence though is it so you know there are no no I was actually, it was funny. I was counting since Dragon Age Inquisition. I can't believe I've just done, I've just, <laughs> I've just handed my hate. There's so much ammunition there and I can't believe it. But anyway, um, I don't know what to expect from this um, at all. I have a bit of a, it's funny because I've just done it, but like um, I obviously uh, have a bit of, bit. Of, I get weird feelings whenever um, something comes out that appears to be a response to a fan backlash. And I think this is maybe just an instinctive distaste. Um but I thought Andromeda was done dirty in a pretty ugly way, it, despite its flaws. It does have them, as many. Um, most of most of which being maybe it wasn't that memorable in hindsight. Um, and um, uh, occasionally, when the sort of like the, the 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 apology sequel happens, I get my I get a bit shirty. I feel very much filled this way about Ghostbusters at the moment. There's huh. a new Ghostbusters film. I have no idea if it's good or not, but I'm instinctively turned against it. Not because the Ghostbusters film back in 2017, I think, was amazing, but because it got such an ugly backlash yeah. that I don't want them. I don't want those angry fans to get a, you know, get a kind of, you know, Acknowledged. pat on the head. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm saying I don't know how to feel about this. I really don't. I just think the spaceship looks nice and, you know, uh, oh, hey, yeah. I mean, talking as someone who's only heard of your description of this, it does sound like a series of just icons that are designed to reassure you it's got it's got your friends in it is what it seems to be saying yeah i mean it's only as opposed to here's some story which is what yeah which is what a lot of teasers tend to do you know they kind of try to sort of set up the 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 the, the place of a story or the you know be a jumping off point for a story yeah i think but this one is I'll... like there ain't no story there really it's just like there's your friends. Don't worry, everybody. There's, yeah, there's there's so many. There's such huge questions that any potential Mass Effect sequel needs to answer because the easiest possible um, Mass Effect sequel to make is a sequel to Andromeda because it set it up in a huge way. Um, Andromeda really was the first part of a series, and they're obviously not going to make that game. Um, but if they choose to make part of it, that'd be interesting. Um, but obviously, the the teaser trailer had you know uh, Liara in it. So obviously this means it's part of the main series. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and the thing about the series is it invented, it's reinvented itself so much that um, I don't know what this means from a mechanical point of view, you know, or, or indeed any. So um, I will continue to look at the pictures they show me as and when they're ready to show them. <laughs> and those are all the feelings I've really got about it. Um we may have more, more robust feelings about uh, Elden Ring. Mm. Suddenly, out of, uh, despite it, you know, having been sort of barely shown for a long time, uh, and now recently sort of delayed um, only by a month. Um, 
loads of people have played Elden Ring and there's been mm. tons of like long uh, game videos out. Uh, have you chance to have you had a chance to imbibe that stuff? I've not read any of them, but I did do watch the video. I was I was just um, I was watching <laughs> you it did without, do. I did do done the video. I uh I was I hadn't really thought much about Elden Ring beyond being just excited and very much wanted to know what it was going to be. I didn't know whether people had figured out or just assumed or anything about it being open world. And mm. it came, I, you know, and I was not sure whether I was right to be sort of surprised or delighted, but surprised by it, you know, um, and sort of like, oh, yes, this is exactly what it should be, which is what I felt thought. But, oh, um, and I was wondering whether that was the right, was that the right thing to think, Chris, tell me. <laughs> Look, there's no such thing as the wrong thing to think. Actually, that's not true. It really isn't true. In, in, within the within the safe parentheses of this conversation, I suspect you couldn't go wildly wrong. You know what I mean? Like you can break out of your playpen, but you're just going to hit some soft furnishing somewhere else in this oh. very specific context. Otherwise, the doings of your brain are your own to manage. But in this case, I don't think that's wildly off. I think I think it was it was only in in this recent sort of set of reveals that I understand how much of an open world game it is, yeah. right? Like what that means, because obviously you know um, Souls games and Sekiro specifically have had quite expansive environments right. mixed in among the kind of more linear bits. Um, I am I'm I'm excited about it because I don't think you know from software have necessarily set a foot wrong yet. Um, I do have this sense that it's not like the game I would have chosen to see from them in a sense. And I mean that primarily because the game I would have chosen to see from them is another Bloodborne or just a remastered Bloodborne or just Bloodborne or just <laughs> me playing Bloodborne. Um, a new copy but, of Bloodborne. Yeah, exactly. Me going to CEX and buying a different copy of Bloodborne and pretending. <laughs> um, but like, um, I think uh, I sort of trust them that they'll do interesting things with this formula because um, you know, I, I could see in, in the sort of the placement of icons on the map and the sort of self-set direction, like the influence of Breath of the Wild, which is an amazing thing. Very for, much so, yeah. For 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 the, for the Souls formula to draw from, because it is always drawn from Zelda. Um, and actually, like, I think that's an interesting kind of paradigm for it to, to follow. Um, but I, I think the Breath of the Wild was definitely had had Dark Souls on its mind. Right. Right, but that that's an it's a nice case of recursive influence, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, in terms of, but I've been playing um I've been playing Demon Souls very slowly on the PS5, and the thing I find enormously comforting about that is the sense of closed loops and routes and limited areas to explore. There's a certain anxiety I get from open worlds, um, that I I hope it doesn't have. I mean, actually, and I found Breath of the Wild was one of the better games for kind of getting past that. Um, but I, I do think that one of the things I traditionally love about Souls games is the sense that they are conquerable, uh, ultimately, when you persevere. And I'll be interested to see how that feeling, which is often, that that often comes through level design. It often comes from like the elation of a shortcut or yeah. the discovery that you really have conquered an area. And I'd be interested to see how, how or if they, they choose to try and recreate some of those feelings in an open world context. This isn't a moment. I think it does look amazing. Yeah. It's more of a kind of like, my reaction to open world wasn't maybe what yours was, which is like, oh, this makes total sense. To me, it was like, oh, this introduces a whole bunch of interesting complexity. That yeah, I should, I should probably sort of 
qualified that in the that I think that two I mean just basically agreeing with you which is which is that two kind of fundamental things about the soul series are this incredible control over your um, access to places you know the way the order in which you do things you know yes you can somewhat see break but only under the control of the game and yes you can you know you're generally you know encountering very carefully placed things in open worlds that is very different and then also um you know enemies usually you're encountering them from certain directions and you know the the flavor of an encounter is is very much uh uh defined by its setup and that in an open world is very different. And that's, I'm totally fascinated to see how they capture the, the rigor. Now what, you know, I think that Sekiro is definitely like, I think the, the thing to think about because those big areas, big open areas and bosses that, that you kind of can usually circle all the way around before you actually engage them and, and then, then fight them in a quite wide area. I think that is, I guess, the kind of the benchmark that this is bouncing from. God, that's a that's a that's a terrible phrasing, isn't it? Bent, bent bouncing. Yeah, from I mean, the they were using the benchmark as like a kind of like a gymnastics horse, like, I yeah, guess. It's, it's a little bit flex yeah. in it. There's there is a horse in it, like a horse goat <laughs> thing. You yeah. know, you can make that work somehow. Um, yeah, no, it looks cool. Like, um, I think it's funny, like. In in that context, in the context of so many things being so new, I love that the spirit of Oblivion is retained in their weird looking faces. I love and the strange posture of all of their characters. Yeah, um, the little clump that you know when they sort of land on their feet, you know, from then it's like this little particular sound effect, and just the gait of the run and things like that is yeah, yeah, it's like coming the over. sort of the sort of whooshy rush of someone somewhere dying, <laughs> like. <laughs> Ah, it's all very good stuff. Yeah, like it, it, it's 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 cool that they're being so open about what it is as well. This far ahead of the game's launch, for it to go from like we haven't seen anything except a logo really and a suggestion of some knights maybe, to like having a fairly good sense of what the game is seems very healthy. So good for them for managing hype well. I think it's the kind of thing you can do when you know you're onto a good game. But it's nice to see it nonetheless. Wonder what our JRR Tolkien JRR Tolkien did it. J G Martin. JRPG Tolkien. JRPG Tolkien. I think I nicked that joke from Neil Kikarija. Um the <laughs> um, I wonder what he done. I mean I have heard a description of what he did, but I wonder what he did. George R. Martin. Yeah. Probably just named the trees or something. You know what narrative designers do. You come in after the game's been made to explain why the doors don't open. <laughs> or why they do or the conditions in which they might that's it that's the entire discipline yeah <laughs> so what have you been um playing alex well i'm i've been playing a game that i almost like quite a lot wow uh, don't I, commit too hard i know i know <laughs> i've been playing Grawny ads of the galaxy um, uh-huh. the the a very chatty action RPG and all sorts of other things. It's such a weird game. It's so weird. It's, oh. Um, I don't really know anything about it, so feel free to unpack it for okay. me. Okay. So 
what we have is an attempt to uh, recreate the 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 joy of the the films fundamentally like you know that's i mean while they haven't got any of the likenesses from the films itself um you, there are the costumes though so they do have some sort of licensing sort of clout with it mm, um obviously no pratt yeah no pratt and i don't think i've got any of the um any of the actors doing any of the voices um uh uh so it's got the the peppy dialogue it's got the 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 raccoon guy and the tree guy and it's a it's a buddy film through wacky marvel inflected sort of space adventure um and it's very pretty um uh and you know and but it mixes in so many different games so many games you have uh uncharted style uh traversal of environments where you're squeezing between rocks and shuffling along ledges and climbing up other ledges and all those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> just um, a ton of different ways to interact with a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> you've got, uh, you've got this, um, that sort of, uh, almost, I mean, it's, it's third person kind of arena battles. Some fundamentally you're going to this closed off area and you're going to be fighting a lot. And, and that's, you know, while you've got a, um, a ranged weapon, you do have a melee attack as well. It definitely seems to want to, it, it like it definitely references things like um, Devil May Cry. Um, it has a little gauge in the corner, which sort of tells you like, you know, marvelous if when you're fighting, I have no idea what it's measuring. <laughs> I have no idea what it even gives you. Um, unlike, you know, the Devil May Cry, which is very rigorous about that kind of thing. Uh, um, and the, the battling, it's you know, the fighting itself is very mushy and doesn't have any of the 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 control and depth of um, Devil May Cry. But it's definitely looking at those games and going, oh, I want some of that. Um, in the way that, like, it's it's also not an enchanted game because it's not as interesting and interested in giving you amazing vistas to look at and all that kind of thing. Which is not to say there aren't amazing vistas in it. It's just that that's not what you're doing. Um, uh, it has a scan mode, which is a bit like Metroid Prime. So you're kind of like going into this thing and seeing everything, all the colors going weird. And you have to kind of hold down a button on stuff as you're looking at it to see a little description about it. Um, there are narrative choices and characters reacting in different ways or subtle ways, or like it wants you to think they're reacting in subtle ways to th choices you make, just like Telltale games. Um there is um, the sort of like a sort of modern Final Fantasy style group battling kind of dynamic kind of mechanics going on where you've got the other characters who are autonomously jumping around, but you can do give, give them orders to do stuff. Um, and, you know, you're giving them skills and things to deploy in battle as well. Um, it's really, I mean, none of the games there and none of the the things there are surprising in and of themselves as as a as, as something that a big budget kind of um a comic film marvel tie-in game might have but the sheer density and variety of them makes it's just just feels quite bewildering from time to time because mm. there's just so much going on and there are so many ideas in it that just don't uh really go anywhere like um so the, the looking at the combat itself it's it's so mushy um 
you know, this is a game that kind of prides itself on, there's lots of animation going on. And it means that you, as Peter Quill, uh, Chris Pratt, not Chris Pratt, <laughs> uh, um, uh, he has his two guns, which are your principal weapons. Um, he has them holstered at his side. And in order to shoot them, he they, it fully animates him reaching down to them, getting them up, putting them up, and then shooting them, which is a good, you know, quarter second and in an action game, quarter second is kind of critical and it makes it so mushy. Um, your shots don't really do that much damage, um, but they're kind of relatively rapid firing. But then they also, your guns then overheat and then you've got to, this is an overheat mechanic. Um, so you've got to kind of, you know, it's basically um, reloading and there's an active reload as- aspect to it, which is kind of mushy feeling and inexact and not very tactical doesn't feel great ever um uh the the way that you order your other um uh, characters around it's it's fine it's fine like they they do have roles like the um the tree the groot uh has an ability which kind of entangles enemies um in roots um in place and holds them down so they're not attacking you and making you know making your attacks on them easier uh rocket the the raccoon has this explosive shot uh which does huge damage um drax has um a kind of a very powerful attack which doesn't weirdly doesn't do much damage but oh yeah there's another <laughs> i forgot about this mechanic there is a um a kind of balance i can't remember what the the, the terminology but there's a it's a little like the one all right let's say it's got Sekiro in it as well because um there's this sort of right, balance like a poise. gauge poise gauge and if you fill that gauge by pummeling them enough then they become stunned and you know you can do extra attacks on them that kind of thing why not shove it in why the fuck not (laughs) but none of it feels kind of critical to engage with or particularly well um you know uh, communicated to you in the in the thick of battle battles are kind of chaotic and and you know and you know in order to make these four characters fighting together believable or at least you know functional i suppose rather than believable it's the opposite of believable you know when you ask drax to to pummel somebody he he deals big poise damage basically rather than you know physical damage uh when he does that you actually see him just blink across the battlefield to where you asked him to he has to of course he does but it does call into question the whole concept of having these kind of live ai characters under Mm. your direct control and yet autonomous but it's just odd um I'm going to just criticize it. For, I could criticize it sort of so, sort yeah, of but for, for hours really, because mm. you know it's it's also a game that where it wants to be peppy and and with the characters constantly sort of pissing, you know, trying to take the piss out of each other and and arguing with each other and and you know with one liners and quips and all this sort of stuff when it's meant to be breezy and fun and funny and stuff, and you know, remarkably, given the sheer density of the amount of dialogue in the game uh it's amazing how much of it works and and mm. how much um unique dialogue there is you know pretty much someone will will comment on almost everything that you do this is including you know going off on down a different way to the to the central route because you figure there might be a pickup there to you know some sort of resource pickup to find um someone will comment on it um depending on the choice that you made there aren't that many choices but there are choices and you know another comment will be made um 
it's difficult to define how much branching stuff is really going on, but characters come and go and they get pissed off with things that you've chosen to do. And I think during the, um, the preview, uh, sequence, you know, the preview time before it came out, uh, the thing that they showed off, um, this is, uh, Idos Montreal, uh, makers of the Deus Ex recent games, but, um, mm. I say recent Deus Ex human revolution. Once they came out in the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Recent to me. Um, uh, they showed off a, the, the first mission of the game in which you are, um, you're trying to earn a load of money to pay a fine off. And, um, the plan is, um, to sell either rocket or grouped to a, um, uh, a, a, a kind of like exotic alien collector um and then steal rocket or group back um afterwards and depending mm-hmm. on who you choose to sell off the other characters and that character will react against you so i chose group to sell off um and rocket just was very angry about it all the time and you know i, I don't know what happens in the other way i'm not going to replay this game but you know, I think they kind of trades on on the fact that nobody's going to replay it. But there's a huge density of it, and it's amazing how much of it hits home. Obviously, not all of it at all. Like, in it, it's they're just talking all the time, Chris, talking, talking, talking. Uh, one volume as well, shouting, shouting during battles, and I'm in a secret like towards the end of the game now. Um, there's a lot of fighting and I could swear that the voice actors are sounding very hoarse. <laughs> they, they sound I'm sure they ragged. recorded it in order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they almost sound Actually, good. they do it live for you, Alex. Every yeah, time they the phone in. Like, and yet I, um, oh yeah, it's got a journal in it. You know, those, um, that kind of modern thing where the you know, third person action game and the, the character, the, you know, your character is filling in a journal as they go. It's very, uncharted and it's kind mm. of fun to see them drawing and stuff this game has a journal in it as well and it's shit it's really shit it's like it's got this comic sans font so it hasn't got any kind of handwritten feel to it and the pictures are really bad and the writing's not very good and it's just sort of like why put it in just why so why you you've said that this is a game that i think i can i can feel tell me if this is wrong but this feels like a game that you like despite yourself or it i think it's i think it's a bit of both of us i mean there is just this verve to it it doesn't it's it's throwing so much at you i think that i think that part of it is this kind of lovable just how scrappy it all is and how thrown together um it all is and Mm. just the audacity to do so much for this game I, i wonder why um and i i i wonder whether actually part of the reason why is that um yeah, it's a big expensive game to make and also to buy, you know, it's a full, full, full price kind of, you know, yeah. main game. And it's looking like it's going to be about 12, 15 hours. And I suppose there is mm-hmm. little replayability if you want to really see what happens with what happens if you throw Groot in to the, to the alien collector instead, but you know, it's not going to affect the story at all. Um, but it's, it just, zips along it zips along and there's nothing that really holds you up the battle the 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 combat is fairly easy i've restarted quite a lot but it just sort of zips along in this kind of and it isn't inoffensive but it just seems to have a rhythm to it um and i think that that feels that's my memory of the films as well where i enjoyed them 
but I couldn't really say anything about them now. I yeah, I remember a mood. It was mm. it was kind of irrepressible. And that's this game as well. It's sort of irrepressibly just s- scrappy. And that really sort of feeds into the kind of the setup of the, you know, the team that you're with who are meant to be scrappy and they're kind of kind of terrible at being the guardians of the galaxy and they're kind of, you know, venal and and, and silly, but they've got a heart of gold. And, and then, weirdly enough, this game has that same sort of feeling. And, and despite all of it, I'm kind of enjoying it. And I've been playing it sort of, you know, to the exclusion of other things, you know, over the past week. Um, After all of this, are you identifying that this game is assonant? Assonant. Way? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose so. <laughs> it's all. Um, there's some really f- sort of funny little kind of fun details in it as well. They're like it is full of details, like the the ship that you um, that you uh, uh, kind of like is your base. I mean, it's just a you know, it's a linear story, and you know. You occasionally return to your ship, and there's a scene on there. Um, there are loads of things to explore on the ship. You know, each every, all the characters have a room, and there's you know little kind of side bits to look at and objects to kind of turn over in your hand. Oh yeah, it has kind of picking up objects and turning them over in your hand. That mechanic was that from um, Uncharted. Uncharted. It's very, yeah. Yeah. Or also... Tomb Raider. I was thinking. I think wasn't it the. Um... Oh God! It's the the one where you g- g- gone home, going home. Oh yeah, gone home. Gone home. <laughs> yeah, gone home yeah. is a, the pick up things game, isn't it? Anyway, yeah, has that. Anyway, has that things, too. Yeah. But there's so much detail to it. At the start of the very game, um, the very very start, uh, your young Peter Quill, a boy, um, still living at home in this kind of incredibly detailed kind of sort of farmhouse, and um, every room is sort of lovingly. Um, constructed and his room is just filled with you know 80s bait <laughs> kind of stranger things bait you know kind of and um, he's listening to uh, Star Lord which is the name of his favorite rock band kind of made up band um, and it's the kind of what he has on his back he calls himself Star Lord in the in the comics and that's sort of what he wants one of the jokes is that you know this kind of dorky kid has come into you know, is living the dream of actually being a kind of a cool spaceman. And he's telling everyone he's called Star-Lord. Anyway, um, there's a Rolling Stone, uh, copy of Rolling Stone uh, uh, on the bed next to you. And you can kind of look over and pick it up and read it. And they've read, they've written a whole article about Star-Lord. There's, <laughs> he's listening to their music on um, on a cassette on his, on his Walkman. Um, and there's a cassette inlay fully, all the lyrics, <laughs> everything. It looks like it's, it looks like an 80s, cassette inlay like the detail like in his room he's got um a copy of death trap dungeon the fighting fantasy book um uh just there and the reason i'm sure is that that it's written by ian livingstone who um I'm, I, at least he used to be ceo of um idos which um which which is kind of like who basically mm kind of well, didn't make the game but anyway has a deep connection to what square enix which is the publisher of the game now there's just so much little things like that there's a fridge door <laughs> which keeps being open on the ship and like every time you go past it like it's open and you can close it you know just go up to it and press button um and the <laughs> the fridge at home is also left open as well like just little, little things like that is mm. i like that i like these little things but oh my god what the hell Oh, there's one other thing. There's this bizarre, like, 
super attack. It's called, uh, what's it called? Huddle or something. It's so weird. It's so weird. This is like a persona thing, ripped out of mm. persona or something. Oh, when you're, when you're in combat, you'll, um, um, collect, gather kind of pep power or whatever, whatever. when it fills, you can press, <laughs> um, you trigger the, you know, the sort of shoulder buttons and, um, and suddenly, uh, uh, all the characters then, like the, the the backdrop sort of fades away, all goes colourful, and all the characters run towards you. You're in first person all of a sudden, and they're all like huddled in towards you, like you're having a pep talk, you know. And the characters start saying lines about their um their emotional state at the time, like maybe they're overconfident, or maybe they nothing's going right, and what are they going to do? And these guys are too strong. And then you have like a, a choice of response, one of which is obviously wrong and the other one is obviously right. Oh, they're too strong. No, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're really good at fighting. And then you say that and they'll go, yeah! and then they go up <laughs> and then uh, Hang Tough comes on, <laughs> like, you know, a new kid's on the block, Hang Tough, and you fight and all of your superpowers kind of charge up faster and all that kind of crap. It's like, What? <laughs> Why is this here? It's so cheesy <laughs> and it doesn't really develop anything. Like the, the pep talk is, is, is just randomized because I've had the same one a couple of times, I think. It's so odd. So odd. But did you enjoy it? I really enjoyed fighting with Hang Tough playing. Yeah, exactly. There it is. <laughs> so it was worth it. It's such <laughs> a weird game. You seem so torn. That's what gets me about this. It's like... It seems like a lot of people seem to be really enjoying it, but having a similar reaction of like, yeah. I'm really enjoying this, but there's some part of your critical faculty that is fighting you. Maybe I you mean, just let it go, man. Do you need Mars should be really angry. I don't yeah. think, I don't think he would get as far as me. Do you need a huddle, Alex? I think we all need a huddle, Chris. Yeah, just, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can like this. It seems dumb. And I'm like, look, they're all dumb. And then... <laughs> <laughs> all right, there's one, out there's one last thing i want to moan about though this is and this is okay. like a crit- okay. this is a critical fucking problem at the start of the game uh you end up you're given a fine of ten thousand space credits or something like that it's a lot apparently, and apparently that's a lot of money how are they going to find all these funds chris anyway you do uh that, i mean it is a spoiler but it's not a spoiler you get the money it's what okay. you have to do with the money is the thing. However, you go to um, you go to this kind of space station place, um, this free to free roam place, and there's a kind of like a street food uh, stall there. A kebab costs five hundred space bucks. So we've been <laughs> told that ten thousand space bucks is an untold amount of money. Right, but it's actually twenty kebab kebabs. It's twenty kebabs. Right. What the fuck? What's a kebab in about four quid nowadays? <laughs> I'd say. Let's say, no, no, no. Six, six to eight pounds, I would say. Six to eight pounds. So let's go on an upper bound. Let's say eight. Okay. For a kebab. Eight times 20. Eight. So 160. The, it, 160, quid. 160 quid. 160 quid. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a lot. Like, that's enough to go oof. You know what I mean? Is it enough to get your best friend and sell them to a. <laughs> to a <laughs> A good tra- some sort of sl- trafficker. <laughs> Probably not, no. But you're planning to rescue them back. <laughs> I'm glad you've raised this because it's a critical it's issue. <laughs> so fuck this game. 
Marsh, <laughs> Marsh's notional reaction to this is correct. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, what have you been playing? Well, so, um, this game we're going to talk about, but I, the thing I've been playing a ton of recently, speaking of things that you have a complicated relationship with liking, I've just been playing tons of cyberpunk lately. Oh, Lord. Okay. I played like 45 hours of it. I'm taking it really slowly. I think I genuinely really like that game. Uh, I'll probably Are you in the kind of hooked kind of, you know, I just, it's just something. Yeah. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I'll probably return to it maybe on the pod when I finished it. And I'm definitely on the kind of the downward slope now. Um, I just think it's like, it's got so many obvious flaws and so many visible flaws. Um, and obviously didn't live up to the marketing, et cetera, et cetera. We've been all over all of this. Um, but I'm just finding it to be like a really sort of, um, kind of engaging narrative driven RPG with a lot of heart, a lot of very good writing and, um, game systems that I like well enough, right? Like I played tons of these games where the underlying game itself was, not great at all games like vampire the masquerade bloodlines which i would say this is so much like in so many ways this feels like one of those games but given in a huge budget with all the precarity that that entails mm-hmm. uh, and i'm just really really enjoying it like i i'm i'm in the position where i'm just mopping up every single you know quest every single thing to do every warehouse to break into on the map and there's a surprising amount of detailed writing or kind of specific kind of narrative work done even for those but I've settled into my playstyle as well. I don't really mind that. I am, I am the scary woman who breaks into corporate buildings, switches people's eyes off, steals things, and leaves. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, the switching that, eyes off thing. Yeah, I had that. Yeah, um, and I really, I really like it. Like, I think, I think it's got it's got so many obvious flaws, but it's a, uh, it's interesting. Almost coming up to a year since it came out to kind of look at it from the eyes of like, what, the, what is this actually as a game? And I don't think there are too many games like it actually at the moment in terms of like meaningful um, narrative experiences with a lot of good storytelling of that kind um, rendered with that level of, of fidelity. There are plenty of great narrative games at the moment, but I mean rendered at that kind of like level of fidelity or that, with that amount of money invested. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of my favorite Keanu Reeves performances in anything ever. Mm-hmm. He's great. Um and yeah, so that's, that's, that's that for that. But I, I kind of, am, I'm a bit wary. I think I said this in chat, but like cyberpunk feels like, but a huge can of worms and mostly just a massive can. Like, I don't know what the worms are actually doing. Um, so I'm going to talk instead about a game I've just started playing, but I played maybe, um, a couple hours of now this morning. Um, and then at lunchtime, uh, which is a big game at the moment, Forza Horizon 5, mm. um, which seems to have taken off enormously, I think, in part because it's on Game Pass. I don't think I would have tried it if it wasn't on Game Pass. And I'm going to get this with two things. One, this is my first Forza Horizon game. I appreciate that there's been 10 years of these now. Um, and secondly, I'm not, like, a big car person. Like, I quite like racing games, um, but, like, I'm not someone who really gives a shit about cars. Um, and this is a car collecting game. So there is that element to it. Um, and, um, but I was interested to come to it partly because I've heard really good things about the series and partly because um, it's, it's famed for being so slick. I was really interested in how the start of the game pans out. And it really is like, so if you're not aware, Forza Horizon is like an open world driving game. We do races and stunts and events and various other things to build up a big collection of cars, which you can paint and upgrade in a million different ways. Um, set against the backdrop of a, like a kind of motor rings festival that takes over apparently an entire country forever. 
once it arrived. Um, <laughs> I wonder uh, what country it's taken over this time. This is in Mexico. In this Mexico, time. beautiful Mexico, and um, one thing really interesting about it is um, I, I can't. I want to talk about it as a race game, but so its introduction is like hype dialed up to eleven. And it's so tell so me about your experience slick. of it, because you haven't played one of those introductions no, before, have you? No, but I'd heard about them. I heard Graham talk about them. Right. Like, it's so... Have you played Forza 5? Not 5 so, yet, no. no. Okay. It's so slick. And one thing I thought was really admirable about it is like, and it struck me immediately, is like this game has taken the task of accessibility really, really, really uh, seriously. So it's accessibility options maybe the best I've ever seen in the game, mm. um, including um, like having... Um, audio description of what's happening on the screen on until you turn it off at the beginning. Like you're almost immediately given the option to turn it off, but it's there for the very beginning. Like this is how you use a controller. This is what the, this is what button prompts are currently on the screen. Um, like amazing kind of support for sort of partially sighted people and so on. Um, and everything is intended to be this slick on ramp, literally onto um, into this experience, which is intended to feel as warm and inclusive and accepting as it possibly can. And so the game, uh, the, the, the plot is apparently, it's a bit like, imagine, if you will, an extremely positive Mortal Kombat, where a big plane kidnaps people from around the world and deposits them in the best time of their lives. <laughs> um, and so you start with the big, the big, the big horizon plane f- flies overhead and drops you out of the back into a volcano as it's erupting and you're already like you're just told like you know right trigger is accelerate fucking go and you're just racing down the hill and this is a mix of you're actually driving but there's scripted elements and cars leaping into view and things like that and introduces all the key elements one by one drive steer brake and then rewind you're also the the prince from prince of persia um but a car um (laughs) and like um like one after another in this extremely slick like series of uh vignettes where like it will you know the the car that's racing down the mountain will skid around a corner and out of sight and the plane is back oh shit it's the plane and now the plane is dropping a rally car into the jungle and now you're going through the jungle and wow is that a temple better drive straight over it we and then and then like and then oh wow it's the plane again and now you're kind of being dropped out of the the plane and your supercar to race the finish line to join the horizon festival they're all waiting for you you are the best driver in the entire world you're the superstar you're so great ah and the screaming and there's the music is incredibly loud and it's all like everything is at a certain bpm where it's just sort of driving you forward constantly and it's genuinely super fucking exciting and that's basically like the level the game maintains as well like it doesn't stop it just keeps going. Um, and for me, I was like, I'm, I'm into this, right? Like, this is making me feel very welcome. It's very exciting. It's, it's wholesome, but maybe not wholesome to a fault. I think at that time it is. I'll get to that. Um, but like, there's this sense that everything is okay. It's like you've died and gone to like um, race car land. Like the, I make notes when I play <laughs> games and I know I'm going to talk about them on the pod. And the note I made, and I didn't really know what the context of this at the time was everything was race cars and nothing hurt. um like everything is okay and you're a car um and everything is upbeat all the time and it gets more and more so and so i'm I'm like racing along and you skid into the finish line and then it's like you know it's time to introduce yourself you're the superstar you're the grand champion you're the best person there's ever been fuck hell to you we love you um but make your character and like i i didn't want to get lost in character creation and it's also not like super grand it's like there's a bunch there's about like 20 pre-made 
characters and then you can change the hairstyle and the hair color and then um and it's 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 you know wonderfully inclusive in that regard and that you can also give them prosthetics you can you can you know robust choice of pronouns like they've done a really good job you've got meaningful choice of voice regardless of body type etc really well done and in the background but while you're choosing uh like the mc of the festival is on the radio like going like gotta get out there gotta get out there they want to meet you superstar they're gonna meet you they're gonna meet you (laughs) hurry the fuck up hurry the fuck up you're in a menu don't want to be in a menu you want to be in a car vroom um and you're like okay i guess i'm doing this but i was like you know what all of the I am not interested in like playing myself in these games. I'm going to make a cool looking lady because like a lot of the dudes looked a bit kind of gawky and awkward. So I was like, and I didn't really like the, the masculine voice. So I was like, I'm going to make a cool looking lady. Um, and I drop into the game and then it's like my car pulls out onto this massive stage. It's like I'm on the main stage at Glastonbury and suddenly everyone's screaming. And then it says, Welcome to Forza Horizon, Christopher. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this haunted shit? Like, and it turns out it looks at your Xbox profile, which I barely use, and takes your actual name. And if you can match yeah. your actual name to one of the names in the list, it's very long list. It will call you by that. And obviously, because my it's like attached to my Microsoft account, which is attached to my real full name, Christopher, rather than Chris, I suddenly have this extreme kind of like uncomfortable discordance of the game bellowing my real name at me while my cool avatar walks out onto the stage <laughs> i have no idea why they didn't give you a chance to confirm your name it feels like i mean in my case i was merely kind of like a bit kind of like knocked out by it like i actually thought about i went i immediately closed the game went on google went how do you how do you start the game again and how do you pick your name in advance because i was like this seems like a really cool moment if it lands right um, but it didn't land, and you can't. You can never actually reset your account ever. You're Chris you can never forever. Do that openly. Yeah, <laughs> but you can change your name when you get in game. So I changed it to Chris now, um, and you got the full size of the big list. I have no idea whether it, I, I. It was. I don't think it's a critical flaw, but for me, it was one of the. For me, it was alienating. I, I can. I can imagine for someone else, it may even be kind of very disconcerting to have whatever name is on your Xbox account suddenly bellowed at you. But it's this attempt to be so welcoming that it yeah. almost bends over backwards to kind of usher you into this experience in that case it back- backfired massively because i did try making someone who looked at like myself and he looked awful and so I, I just undid it and i was like i'm just gonna go with the coolest looking options i can see um and then but even then now when i log into the game it's like hey chris welcome back how are you doing oh god i've got so much great driving we love driving we love you um and like and so since then, so you get that off into the world and it's this big open, uh, big open world and brought tons of different events. Some of them are like races that you load into, which could be street races or rally races or sprints across the countryside or all sorts of different or drag races. You can do, you know, there are events in the world, like trying to hit, you know, speed traps, which is like trying to hit a certain speed as you go past a certain point. Um, and it's sort of soft multiplayer so that you can like occasionally there's almost like, you know, destiny style world events. Like everyone go here and just drift, drift like fucking crazy for a bit and get points and share the points. Um, and you're getting stuff constantly and there's tons of like, there's both deep kind of mechanical customization of the cars themselves, which I don't understand anything about. And then there's upgrading the cars themselves, which is a separate thing. Then there's painting the cars themselves, which is a separate thing. And then there's the internal upgrade system for a given car, which is more about the, it's more like every car is like a kind of has its own Diablo styled skill tree, which all that does is unlock XP 
and new stuff like new cars which have their own trees and everything in the game gets you points and all of the time everything is fucking delighted by you yeah constantly yeah. you have these radio stations it's like a decent selection of music um and the radio stations each have their own djs and the djs are all most of the main characters are english i think maybe it's because the developers but like there's this sense that this is a and i think it's because the previous game was set in the in the uk there's a sense of like a uk festival like reading festival has been moved to mexico and given more money than god it's like it's like party in the park or something and all of the djs they're really good performances of like radio djs um and there's so many granular little things like the the news that comes on between songs will be like hey guys we just heard there's a really cool car in the barn near where the superstar is hope they get it hope they share it with me <laughs> anyway back to the music and it's like this shit constantly and it's like almost overwhelming um and i realized something as i was playing it did get it started to get to the point where i was like oh fuck where is where is even like a tiny bit of like tone balancing darkness here anything at all because you can't do anything without the game praising you for it if you drive clean you get awards for driving clean if you break stuff you get awards for breaking stuff <laughs> you know the concept of a speed trap in post horizon festival mexico means this is a challenge to go very fast not this is a reason you don't go very fast if you do like a huge fucking power slide around a corner and narrowly miss some presumably civilian transit van coming the other way you get points for great near miss not sure. and it's like and meanwhile, characters will meaningfully intone to you about what a superstar you are, but how important family is and what the culture of Mexico truly means to them. And how all <laughs> yeah, of these things, yes. how there is no greater expression of human anything than driving a car. <laughs> Fuck. And, and like, I realized something as I was playing it, which is that another great game, and I think it probably is a great game, another great game about family and and holidays and and um having a well-needed break which also has the word horizon in its title animal crossing um genuinely has more bite than this does like <laughs> there is there is more there's more of a kind of like wink and a, more of an edge to animal crossings writing than there is to forza's yeah. forza is it's like and it does I appreciate there's so much to say about it as a racing game and I am enjoying it. I just don't feel like I can kind of speak with any expertise about whether it's a great racing game or a good racing game. Sit from reviews and what people are saying, it feels like a, a a great racing game, right? Like I'm I'm certainly having a good time with it. Uh, there's lots of smart difficulty setting stuff, tons of granularity, meaningfully diverse events. I really like, it looks gorgeous. There's tons of cars. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel myself sort of very rabbit in the headlights quite literally about all of that. But I find it's I find its tone fascinating because in a way it feels like quite a kind of pointed if it's if it has any edge at all, it's that it's such a kind of bullish rejection of the tone that all games feel the need to take, right? Like, you know, if 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 a to give me on something, to the extent that driving a car dangerously is a bad thing to do, and shooting a gun is a bad thing to do and games allow us to find the entertainment value in both of these things. There, there certainly isn't a shooter that loves you and guns in the way that this game loves you and driving dangerously. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so really it, fascinating. It's, I've been trying to, to trace uh, where this stuff comes from because this stuff has been in shoot in racing games 
sort of for a while. Like mm. weirdly, it's all British studios. So uh, it was definitely in the Criterion's um, burnout series, which was, you know, rewarding you for near misses. Like that was, that's where that's from driving yeah. and oncoming traffic, um, all that kind of thing. It's, you know, super arcadey, but kind of, you know, set in real cities. The, the, um, the, the radio station thing, that's definitely from burnout. There's also bizarre creation stuff. So, um, mm. so that, that invented the QDOS system, which would just reward you with points for everything you did as long as, you know, yeah and that that's in there i'm trying to remember there was a there was a racer like an off-road racer on on ps3 and that was the series that kind of kicked off the whole idea of kind of festivals like celebrating it doing dirt, driving. It? no it's not dirt it's um i know oh. what you mean though but this is the thing it feels very much part of that legacy and it's really interesting as part of that legacy well dirt like... did take on the the festival thing but yeah, yeah, I think it was done first by this PS3 one. But oh, what was that studio? The studio died since. But thing is, I think that all of those developers <laughs> kind of have been distilled. <laughs> They've all kind of moved into this, like it's made by Playground, isn't it? And I'm pretty sure the Playground is basically made up of kind of X staff from all of these studios who have kind of distilled these things that they've learned about kind of making rewarding racing games. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you could identify the slightly cynical edge in it in the sense that it feels, it kind of feels tuned to what a lot of games want to be, which is that sense of being a festival and a hangout space. It feels like, you know, um, age of Fortnite racing game to some extent, right? This is a big party and you're invited. On the other hand, it does feel like a maturation of all of those themes going back to things like Wipeout as well. Right, this yeah. notion that games can have cool music, they can be hooked into culture in a way. Um, you know, they can be part of a broader kind of visual musical culture, design culture, and so on. And like, it's the standard of its you know design, its visuals, and and I think a lot of the music is is really good. I think, um, and it's it's nice, I think, to see that because I, I associate at least because I played a lot of these games when I was growing up. I associate that era of British racing game development really closely also with like the lad maggiest elements of mm. games in that era. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think Forza five horizon five shows what happens when you utterly shed that, right. There isn't a sniff of it, that kind of slightly like not maybe, maybe wouldn't always be factored into the games themselves, but you better believe that the advert you saw yeah. for like metropolis street racer or something. In, Have you driven in, a car so fast down one someone's, up someone's ass that their brain comes out of their head like, right like yeah like no, it wouldn't be that that'd that be carmageddon right but no it would be like an inexplicable stock image of a uh like a lingerie model yeah next yeah, to a photo okay. of the game box and it would be like <laughs> are you a big enough boy to drive the big car Wink. that's better yeah yeah that's better that's that's the era i associate a lot of those games with and it's gone and it's great that it's gone um I do think in some ways, though, Forza Horizon steps over this tonal bridge from simply, we're delighted that you're here, this whole place is for you, have fun with it, which I think is a great stance for a video game to take and a very appropriate one. And I think the, the step beyond would be to establish this isn't happening at the expense of actual Mexico. It's all virtual reality, maybe. Because um, um, it feels like that. Um, but it steps beyond that to this point where people are complimenting you so frequently and with such earnestness that it started to make me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, 
not in a sort of like, oh, this is cloyingly kind of wholesome way necessarily, but in the way that have you ever been in a situation where you're like, for example, you're at a festival, you're at a festival and someone is being so nice to you and so effusively uh, positive about you that you're not sure if you're having a really meaningful life moment or if they are high. You know what I mean? Mm. Like there's this, there's this sort of sense of like, you, you'll, you'll like skid around a corner and you'll hit a cactus and the big thing will come up and say, smacked us. And you get some points. <laughs> and then someone would be like, great, great job, superstar. You're also a wonderful father. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, um, you know, um, there's this sort of slight sense of looking at someone else's pupils and seeing them utterly dilated at the sight of you. And that's what playing this game feels like. Um, yeah. Yeah, you feel like you maybe need to like get them some water. Like I feel like I feel that I feel powerful need to get everyone in Horizon Four, Horizon Four Five, uh, Forza Horizon Five, Horizon Horza Five, um, <laughs> a bottle of water and a sit down because it may be a bit much. Um, it's okay, it's okay, Forza. Horizon. I'm really enjoying it. It's like you know, I, I think um, I, I will keep, definitely keep playing it, and I think on its own merits as a as a as an open world game. It's so generous with things to do, to do quickly, kind of dip into and do that. I think it also makes a good case for the kind of sea of map icons, open world design. I think it's, it worked well here because it doesn't need a narrative to stitch it together. Although there are like little narratives to discover and little adventures to go on. Um, it's not trying to sell you a serious world. It's trying to sell you a playground. And mm. I think is, is a very, um, appropriate use of that format. There's also a very funny thing that's happening at the moment. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but people have come across an exploit which involves a funny word. So I could tell you that story if you like. Tell, tell us the funny word. So um, basically in the game, every car, as I say, has its own like little internal upgrade grid. And the most valuable node on any of these is an upgrade grid that gets you a wheel spin. A wheel spin is like a wheel of fortune. You spin it and you're either going to get some money or a new car. They're very <laughs> right. valuable things. The game's constantly... It's just like a, it's like a loot box you'd have to buy. You just spend, you're constantly spinning this wheel. It's just engage, 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 engage. <laughs> but even more valuable than a wheel spin is a super wheel spin, which spins three wheels at once and you get three prizes. Incredible. Not every car has one of these nodes, but when they do, it's very likely that whatever you get from that triple node is going to be worth more than the value of the car. And this is particularly the case in the case of one Jeep. A 1945 Willys Jeep, um, uh, which you can buy for a certain amount and then upgrade just enough to get the triple spin, and that's worth more, often worth more than the the value of the Willys. However, <laughs> once you've got a Willys, you've got a Willys forever unless you uh, sell it on the auction house, which um, is the only way to then, once it's gone, buy a new Willys, upgrade the Willys again have another spin and so on in order to kind of farm more and more money. Um, and then players discovered that there is a faster way to get rid of your willies than to put them on the 24 hour auction house for cars. The fastest way to give them to get rid of the willies is to gift them because there is a random gifting system where you can effectively give up a car that you love and another player will receive it while exploring the open world as a kind of random gift. And it's intended to create these moments of like one-off stranger generosity between players. But what players have realized is that this is the fastest way to get rid of your willies. So you can get a new willies and all you want is more willies. Um, and there's a wonderful PC gamer uh, story explaining this uh, by uh, Morgan Park, 
and I'm not sure if they were aware of how many times they used the word release, <laughs> but it's incredible. Um, but what this means is, um, <laughs> and when you receive your, it means that the uh, gift ecosystem of the game has been totally overcome by willies. Like <laughs> if you go to any free gift spot in the game, expecting anything other than willies, you're going to be disappointed. And that I think it means they have recreated at least something of the dynamic of the actual internet within their idolized <laughs> environment. Um, and, uh, um, um, but they're even better because the game is so wholesome to its fucking bones. When you receive your unwanted, uh, free willies, um, you only have stock options in which to reply, but you have to like, you have to say thank you because the game's going to make you say thank you because it didn't <laughs> raise no rude cars. Um, and so you can only say things like, I love this. Thank you. Or you've made my day. Thank you for this. I'll look thank after you for it. My free release. And then the final option, don't send thank you message. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I just, yeah. So um, apparently like the players have, play, even if the game itself refuses to kind of allow anyone to ever consider anything ever bad ever happening to anyone under any circumstances next to a car, players have found a way, I guess, to kind of ruin it, which <laughs> I think is beautiful, personally. Um <laughs> You know, um, just flooding the game with this unwanted Jeep so that they can win spins to get more unwanted Jeeps. It's amazing, isn't it? Finding within all of this generosity, within all of this kind of wanting to reward you for everything you do, and the players are still doubling down on the most boring What if I just did this one thing over and over again? Hmm? And what if in doing so, I just actively ruined an otherwise wholesome system? (laughs) (laughs) Gifting other players stuff, you say? Sounds like a great way for me to get rid of stuff I don't want. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, humanity. Uh, What you gonna do about it? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's for the Horizon 5. I'm, I'm looking forward to hear what more like expert car people have to say about it because i think it seems it seems nice i like that you can switch off damage on your car because i always feel a bit shit that like i'll get my corvette to the end of the race and it'll be dented and you can just turn that off it's nice um um sound good it goes vroom very loudly i don't know if again i feel my driving just five times i'm not ready to talk about this <laughs> i i i will assure you chris that there there is and there always should be quite a you know a clear line between driving in real life on on public roads and um and what happens in forza horizon are you telling me that if i skid into a cactus in real life that you'll rarely be rewarded rarely no no one's going to give me a prize (laughs) what if um i don't think the mexican government will be particularly welcoming either right okay I've got to make some. Hmm. I need to <laughs> just write notes. Get you I need up. to rebook a certain holiday. Um, <laughs> okay, um, and if if you're at a, if you're at a, a music festival, how do they feel if you just drive a fast car directly into a crash barrier, like because you're not paying attention nearby <laughs> or a crowd of people? That seems bad as well. Isn't it? I mean, I must have. I, I've always thought that it's so odd to um to put you know of all the things to, I mean, car cars. You're in your car. The whole point of driving is that you're in your car, and you're going somewhere, or at least certainly not engaging with stages, um, concessions, kind of you know 
You got you got you got emotes. You got you, 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 can, you can wave out the window. You, you know, <laughs> when you win a race, you stand on the stage next to your car and you do whatever emote you've preset. So like, I lost a race to a man whose name was something like I think his name was like um his something his name was something like Total Tony sixty nine. No, that is after, such a driving after, fan game. Yeah, and after having uh, lost a race to him, he just dabbed very aggressively. Oh, and I, I was like. Mm. Oh, the other great thing is it's full of your friend's driver tires at all times, uh, which I have found has been a unique opportunity to discover people I'm still friends with and tend to be on Xbox Live. Yeah, um, okay, there's an, that's another, that is actually sort of a real issue as well. I think it touches on the same issue as it, as it automatically picking up the name mm. that you have associated with the account. Because, yeah, you, you forget who's in your driver, your, 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 your friends list. Because, right. And there might be people that either you really don't want to see anymore, or maybe it's painful to see them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, right. And then they are. Like, um, it, it does feel like they're in the game as well. Like, I've, I've had that uncanny feeling. You you see them and you go, oh, shit, am I online? Oh, no, 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 no. It's just a, it's just AI. But still, do they, am I in their game? Oh, this is weird. Yeah, exactly. Can I see this? Yeah, I had exact, that exact feeling because immediately after the game called me Christopher and then thrust me back out into the racetrack, I immediately got T-boned um, by PC gamers uh, Owen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was him. <laughs> and, and I was like, it has to be him. It has to be him. This is the most thing that could possibly, most Owen thing could possibly happen. Uh, it wasn't, I don't think, I think. Um, but that's been really funny because like, I haven't really, I've been a, you know, my console choice has been a PlayStation for the better part of the last 10 years. And so I haven't really added anyone to Xbox Live since I first joined PC Gamer and Games yeah. Windows Live was still a thing. Yeah. And so all of my friends are like 2011, 2012. Yes, very, my, my Xbox Live is of an era. <laughs> like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, it's just sort of, yeah, very, very uncanny. Um, quite fun, I guess, in its own way, but like, Again, it has this blithe sense that you want it's to be blithe, isn't it? That's the people. word, isn't it? Like yeah. you know, we're going to define what joyous sort of fun is yeah. for you, and and we'll do our best. <laughs> right. Well, I think this is the thing that Animal Crossing identified, which is that if you don't have a little bit of not darkness in there, but a little bitterness in with the sweetness, it, it feels even. like a cult. Mm. It feels like a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Forza Horizon feels like a cult. And I think the end game of feeling like a cult is it feels like everyone's already dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, you know, we're here in just sort of like some kind of, you know, um, kind of technicolor car bardo waiting for the big plane to take us to hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> poor old Mexico. No, I mean, Mexico's beautiful. I mean, whatever comes next, right? Like, is this my final spin? of the wheels of the of the wheel spin before i discover my fate i don't know it feels desperate for a twist like that and i know it's not coming <laughs> in any case it's full of willies um that is all the opinions i have about uh forza horizon 5 for now well i suppose that that marks um marks the all the things we have to say all the takes that we have for this uh this this podcast mm. Um, you can hang out with us and our community on our Discord channel. Uh, you can find the 
dress for our Discord uh, channel, which is very nice and it's very friendly, full of lovely, smart people that you would do well to interact with. Uh, you'll find the link for that at our website, which is crowtoncrowbar.com. Um, you can tweet to us at Crate and Crowbar. Uh, we are currently, um, normally in this book part of the pod, we would be doing uh, questions from questions. Question questions is up on blocks at the moment. It's not at the car festival having a nice time uh, because we're we're just it's in really, car hell. It's in it's not it's in car the bit in between hell and heaven. Purgatory. Purgatory. It's in cargatory. Um, <laughs> We're we're just um we're rethinking. We're, we've kind of answered all the questions, but potentially yeah, we're just rethinking much. about how we want to interact with you, our lovely listeners. So if you have any thoughts about the ways that you'd like to interact with us to to play a part on the show, you can send that suggestion to us at uh, questions at crowbar dot com. We will review it and we will think about it, and we'll have more news on all that another time. You can also listen to the show on YouTube where you'll find our various other spin-off projects. Uh, you'll find that at youtube.com slash Creighton Crowbar. Uh, the Creighton Crowbar is kindly funded by our Patreon backers, our kind and lovely Patreon backers. If you'd like to know more about support, supporting our podcast and its spin-offs, uh, visit us at patreon.com slash Creighton Crowbar. Um, I just know that... Um, these days, uh, we are only charging every other week for our podcast, the Games Podcast, which we imagine that most people signed up to uh, listen to. Um, because on the off week, on the odd, the odd week, or maybe it's the good week, um, we do lock-ins, um, <laughs> which have a variety of different topics. Um, the last one was on June. There have been ones on... Um, uh, the Green Knight and other things. Um, eclectic. Uh, at the moment, we are not charging for those um, because we appreciate that you maybe didn't sign up uh, to listen to those specific subjects. But anyway, um, visit Patreon and you'll find out a bit more. I think, Chris, Christopher, Christopher. Mm, hi. I think that's it. Hi. I think that's all yeah, the things. I think it might be. Yeah. Well, well, then. I would like to, to wish huddle. everybody. Oh. <laughs> Well, and thanks <laughs> for listening. Hope you're okay. Hope you're well. And thanks for listening. Everybody. Vroom, vroom.